Monday, the 27th of December. I'm Randy Kure. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. Hope you're having a happy holiday season. Hope you are keeping safe. This is What's Up, the Sports Podcast. Today's episode is another example of how beautiful sports is. On Instagram, I kept seeing a young reporter who has a great passion for sports, particularly basketball. And after one time of just asking her, hey, if she would uh, come on my podcast, she graciously accepted. She is a sports reporter, a student of Ryerson Sports Media Program, and host of the aptly named Mel Gill Podcast. Melissa Gill joins me. Mel, an absolute pleasure. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? And it's, it's nice to be on and finally get to speak with you. I know we tried to plan this a couple of times, so it's, it's nice to finally speak with you. Yeah. And speaking of that, I do owe you an apology, which I will get to <laughs> at the end. But uh, <laughs> No problem. <laughs> on uh, on today's episodes, uh, really interested to learn Mel's insights uh, to what sports broadcasting may look like for the years ahead, what uh, the sports landscape will look like, particularly for women in this country, not only uh, in Canada, but beyond. A quick mention of a couple of uh, former Toronto Raptors, uh, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, that being in a rapid fire segment I like to call Big Deal or No Big Deal. And uh, once again, how I completely screwed up a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, you know, uh, Mel, just um, for someone like myself, I had uh, big dreams of being uh, a sports broadcaster and, uh, you know, uh, was really uh, enamored with not only sports, but uh, just the journalism industry as a whole. It seems that uh, you are doing the exact same thing. Uh, with your podcast, which I'd love to uh, chat about in a moment. But uh, taking a step back, uh, how did you get introduced to sports? Uh, Did you play uh, any uh, when you were growing up as well? Yeah, so um, actually it started, I I always watched sports with my dad growing up, uh, specifically soccer. Um, He's from Argentina, so that's huge soccer fan, family's all into soccer. And so I started playing soccer when I was four. And then um, I got into basketball when I was maybe seven or eight. And then from there, I started watching the Raptors when I was maybe 10 or so. And I really kind of fell in love with the team after the Brooklyn series. Um, Game seven, Lowry gets the shot blocked, Paul Pierce. (laughs) We all know how that went. So I I really fell in love with the team there and just, um, the guys that we had on the team and not just for who they were on the court, but just kind of um, their personality and, and um, just the whole team aspect off the court as well. Yeah. For me, I think, uh, you know, as we had talked uh, before we uh, decided, before we logged on that, uh, you know, I'm a number of years older than you and I get to see the team, uh, you know, just start from its infancy. Like I do remember a time uh, when the Raptors didn't exist and, 
obviously mm -hmm. uh, you do not, but uh, <laughs> to see uh, Toronto getting that NBA team and uh, that first series, uh, a first series win against New York was when uh, I, for one, was really uh, hooked. And uh, just uh, the fact that this uh, global event is uh, a part of uh, Canada. I mean, obviously, basketball was invented in this country, but for Toronto and Vancouver to have teams as well. Uh, it was just uh, fantastic. It, for you, uh, like to get now you are uh, in the sports media program at Ryerson. Uh, was there an event that may have taken place? You mentioned your love of uh, the Raptors and, and that Brooklyn series, but was it other events that took place for you to pursue a career in sports journalism? Um, honestly, I don't really think there is any other like event or, or story or anything that um, made me want to pursue it. I think just it kind of happened gradually um, since like I've always loved sports, but I think just falling in love with the Raptors, um, I just kind of always wanted to do it. But the past couple of years, like it's when I really kind of thought, okay, this is a possibility and um, I can actually get into this because before it was just kind of like a, a dream. Like I didn't really think um, I was going to be able to do this. Um, but yeah, so it was just kind of gradual. But um, something I really like about sports is um, like I mentioned, like off court stuff. So I really like hearing about um, and athletes like upbringing, their beliefs, um, mental health, um, and how that affects athletes. And um, as many people know, may know, I'm a big Damar fan, of course. <laughs> and so what he and Kevin Love have been able to do um, in regards to mental health and, and how athletes are perceived, I think that's something really interesting. And that's something that I want to shine light upon um, through my future career. And yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, uh, when DeMar came out uh, with that, uh, with his announcement, uh, it, it obviously hit so home, uh, hit uh, so close to Raptor fans and the Toronto area, of course, uh, the footprint that DeMar left in, uh, in uh, Toronto and Canada. Uh, wh what do you think, uh, where do you think people are with regards to mental health? Uh, to me, there just seems to be an evolution of understanding that these people are not only multimillionaires, but they are people as well. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, I think that the past two years, like in this pandemic, have opened a lot of people's eyes, but I think there's still a long way to go. Um, definitely, there's a lot of people who don't understand just how serious mental health is and, um, and like that it is possible just because you're you have millions of dollars and you're famous and you're an athlete, that doesn't mean you, you don't struggle with anything internally. Right. And um, especially like Damar, who's um, suffered from depression, like from a young age, like that's going to stick with you. And um, just because you have money and everything that doesn't solve all your problems. And um, I don't know, I, I think people need to be more understanding and especially um, just considering that athletes have um, the spotlight on them at all times. And they have, millions of people around the world just saying whatever they want about them like that's obviously gonna gonna hit you if you if you go on social media and that kind of stuff so i think people just need to be more kind and understanding yeah truthfully i i do wonder about somebody like kyrie irving mm -hmm. and uh obviously he had the uh, world at his fingertips he's a, a, mm -hmm. a one of the top five uh a player but uh, he is uh 
made a couple of choices uh, that are quite uh, questionable. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, the stance that he took against the uh, vaccine and uh, mm -hmm. before not going into the bubble. And uh, with uh, the likes of Naomi Osaka and uh, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Atlanta Dream, who uh, uh, rallied against the Democratic governor uh, when the Republican uh, uh, incumbent uh, was the uh, the team's owner, uh, it, it it does seem that uh, there there is a place, there is a need for uh, for for not only athletes but people of prominence to to get that uh, message out there. Do you think that it's something that's we're going to see more so in the years ahead? I mean, let's also considering that there is another side to the uh to the aisle there the conservative side as well yeah i th i think um definitely we're going to see like in future years um athletes uh being more vocal about these things i think in the past people tried not to um combine the two but i i kind of like hearing different athletes perspectives and i know it's controversial and um, but I, I do like hearing um, just their opinion on certain things. And uh, I think it's important that people speak up for what they believe in, for sure. So uh, what about in terms of who you follow uh, in a sports uh, broadcasting mm -hmm. perspective? Uh, for somebody like me, I, I'm more so into the uh, information. Just tell me the facts rather than your mm -hmm. opinion. Uh, are you, uh, what about you? Who do you uh, look towards in terms of getting your sports knowledge? So oh, I really like Kayla Gray. You probably know who she is um, for the Raptors. She does an amazing job. I think um, she's really good at the way she speaks about sports, but also offline. I like how she speaks about things that are important to her. Um, also, obviously, Jack Armstrong. <laughs> Everyone loves Jack. Um, I really like Malika Andrews, uh, Stacey King, Kate Burness. Um, I think these are all amazing sports broadcasters or reporters. And um, I, I like informative uh, reporting, but I also like when someone is able to provide their own opinion on it um, without kind of like forcing it upon you. Um, you know, like I do like hearing the facts, but I also would like to hear their opinion as well. So. Well, with a uh, sport like basketball, it just uh, the mm -hmm. excitement level that somebody like Jack Armstrong does bring <laughs> and uh, Kayla Gray, you can see the uh, passion that she has, Kate Burness as well. Mm -hmm. uh, now, you, of course, uh, on your podcast did have the pleasure to uh, speak with uh, Jack Armstrong and uh, uh, Savannah Hamilton. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's fantastic the fact that uh, you're uh, uh, able to uh had these opportunities uh, for somebody who is still in university uh it, it must be such a huge accomplishment for you thank you so much yeah it's, it's been kind of crazy just this this past few months i've been able to have guests for of people that i've looked up to for so many years so it's kind of crazy i still don't really believe it but <laughs> yeah. yeah the sky's the limit for sure uh, you know uh 20 years ago, when I was going through the uh, sports, uh, when, when I was going through school and uh, getting uh, getting my feet wet with the uh, journalism program, uh, obviously, it was a time without social media. There was, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, no podcasts. Uh, YouTube wasn't around. And uh, my 
uh, journey was uh, to go to a small town uh, to, uh, you know, uh, build my game uh, and hope that I could get into a uh, a bigger market. Uh, obviously, the the direction and the guidance of uh, professors and those into the industry uh, was a huge help. But what uh, what kind of uh, uh, tips have you got from professors or uh, those in the uh, industry? Um, I think almost everyone has valued experience and um, just the ability to go out and, and try different things and um, take on as many opportunities as you can um, or, that you're able to. And um, I think professors have kind of told us to kind of step out of our comfort zone a little and and try different things and and really have a good understanding of the media and, and sport media industry before kind of uh, focusing in on what you really want to do. So I've done a lot of podcasting, audio and, and writing, but I, I really want to get into the more like video side of things. So, um, yeah, I, I think just kind of trying everything out and getting experience. Um, also networking is a huge thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think just, just kind of, um, trying your best to get as much experience and, um, just trying different things until you really realize what you're passionate about. So for you, uh, because these uh, platforms are so uh, uh, foreign to me, uh, you know, you think about the zone, you think about uh, one soccer, and I was really reluctant to get a one soccer subscription because I I mean, like I love, I love Canadian soccer. I don't really have an affection for uh, club football in Europe. I I really want to see the uh, growth of the Canadian Premier League. However, I don't really want to spend X amount of dollars on a subscription for something, you know, because I'm old school that way. Um, for journalists like yourself, like, are, are we going towards those uh, streaming services? Is that uh, a position where, uh, like a goal for you uh, to work at a zone as opposed to cable TV? Hmm. Honestly, that's a really good question. Um, I don't really think I've thought that far yet. Um, honestly, I think I would rather work uh, somewhere in TV um, than a streaming service. And I'm not really sure why, but I haven't really thought about that yet. But that's a really good question. Hmm. Because yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess uh, my, uh, my thinking is is that like something like the zone and they are shelling out hundreds of millions of dollars for the rights of uh you know um uh, showing la liga or whatever uh soccer league in europe and i'm wondering where are these uh where is this money coming from (laughs) like um i'm wondering if it's sustainable it, like, are we going to, and I mean, I, I don't know if, the, if they had talked about it in, uh, in class, but is, uh, is a satellite, uh, is, uh, you know, subscription service uh, to the zones and uh, so on, is that where your professors think uh, journalism and broadcasting is headed towards? Um, they haven't really spoken about it too much, but they have hinted at streaming services kind of taking over. And, and I, I do think that it, it, there's a huge possibility that that can be what's most popular in the future. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> you know, also, uh, you know, love to uh, hear about 
the the voice of athletes. Uh, I mean, there the Players Tribune and uh, athletes themselves investing in podcasts. JJ Reddick had a podcast that uh, was going uh, pretty uh, strong, had some uh, credibility. There was a, a former uh, foot uh, football player, NFL football player, uh, Pat Tillman, not Pat Tillman. Uh, th- he escapes my mind, but uh, he's uh, been doing some really great stuff and uh, getting uh, some uh, legit content uh, because of the uh, uh, the uh, football career that uh, that person had. And, you know, it, it just seems to be such a trend that athletes are uh, speaking to other athletes more so as opposed to uh, the uh, legitimate quote unquote journalist that's out there. Is that something that may be a threat that athletes may just want to speak to their own and not really put themselves out there uh, to uh, face those tough questions? That's a really good question. Um, I think it might be a threat. I'm not opposed to it though. That's the thing. So I, I've listened to Draymond Green chips on YouTube and CJ McCollum's podcast. And I really enjoy CJ's because he has a, he has a background in journalism. I'm not too sure about Draymond, so I can't really say, but I think Danny Green um, had one uh, yeah, when he was at I UNC, so right? Yeah. So I really enjoy CJ's just because he has that background and um, the way he's able to ask questions. I find it really interesting. And especially when you know the player, like it's, it's a different type of um, conversation, right? Like when you've played against each other and, and all that. So um, I really enjoy listening to it, but like you said, I, I do think it is a little bit of a threat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do think that the players will be more comfortable talking to someone who they know and, you know, just like understand it rather than someone who is um, a reporter or something else, but so yeah, while it is a threat, I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that's interesting because I, I wonder as a, as a fan, uh, yeah. that are we going to get that other side of the uh, story? And, uh, you know, for me personally, like I, uh, being a traditionalist, a traditionalist that has his own podcast, mind you, but I mean, uh, to, uh, uh, I really enjoy the work of Stephen Brunt on uh, the Fan 590, Michael Grange uh, on um, uh, from Sportsnet. Uh, you know, just uh, uh, really, I guess, impartial in uh, in that sense. I, I'm more of uh, somebody of the uh, the informative side. Uh, I'm not a real fan of Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith, uh, with due respect <laughs> to them, but uh, yeah, they they just seem to really. Uh, want to try and be the star of the uh, the story themselves, like the whole Skip Bayless versus LeBron sort of thing. I, I, I don't know uh, what you uh, think. I don't know if you uh, have uh, thoughts of somebody like Skip, but. Uh, yeah, I, that- I think there's a there's like a good balance. I think um, you can bring that kind of fan in you out and, and show your passion, but I, I don't think you should take it as far as maybe someone as Skip or, or Stephen A. Smith have but that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, Hey, for sure. For sure. I mean, uh, so I, you know, I'd love to, uh, get, uh, an idea of uh, what the sports media program is like. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, for, uh, for your classmates, uh, for even for yourself, I mean, uh, is there, uh, maybe something in the back where you could take what you have learned, maybe do something outside of sports or your, are 
classmates at this point solely looking at uh, just a sports broadcasting career? Or is it possible that uh, they are maybe more so even in terms of other uh, types of media? Yeah, so there's actually a couple of people in my program who didn't get into just the regular media program at Ryerson. So they decided to take sport media and they got into it. So they're not as much interested in, in the sports side of things, but the program is really uh, media focused. So you really get a good understanding of um, audio, video, um, digital media, um, and then also writing as well. So it's, it's a good mix of everything. So I think it, it really caters to everyone. So as long as you want to be in the media industry, whether it's sports, whether it's something else, I think you have um, a good base. And um, I think there are a lot of them who are interested in other things, such as entertainment or um, even business as well. So I, I do think it really sets you up for whatever you want to do. Is there something that uh, you might be uh, considering, maybe like even a small percentage? Uh, like, can you uh, see yourself on Parliament Hill uh, uh, reporting uh, for, uh, you know, uh, reporting against the prime minister or what do you? Uh, no, I, I really don't think so. Um, I don't really think I have any interest in, in business or anything or, or politics, but um I don't know, maybe, maybe something music related at some point or yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. We'll have to see. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, I was never into politics myself yeah. when I was in college <laughs> and then uh, yeah, then you get to uh, get North of 40 and then you're pretty interested in politics. Uh, something that you're, something that you're also very uh, interested in is uh, the role of women in sports. Uh, obviously uh, Canada has had a great history of uh, women in sports. Uh, you think of the uh, women's uh, national soccer team. You think of uh, what Canada has done uh, in terms of basketball. Uh, the Olympics, there have been uh, times where there have been more female participate, more, fem more female athletes in on the Canadian Olympic teams. Uh, and I mean, this past uh, uh, summer in Japan, uh, there were so many medals uh, won by women uh, before uh, men uh, got to uh, hit the uh, podium uh, in Tokyo. Uh, how have you uh, seen uh, uh, sports for women evolve in the past couple of years? Um, I think the women's game have just, it's just completely evolved, especially like in these last 10 years, maybe even five years as well. And um, not just um, athletes, but you're, you're just beginning to see women more involved in every aspect of the game. Like, um, I think a great example is uh, Kia Nurse. She, um, she's a member of the Phoenix Mercury for the WNBA, and she also helps out on the Raptors broadcasts um, in her offseason. And I think she's, she does a really great job at both of her jobs, but she um, someone like her really helps bring the audience over. So maybe someone who's just into the NBA, but hasn't really um, given the WNBA a chance. I think she really shows um, just how knowledgeable she is about the game and, and her passion. And um, she can really help kind of bring those viewers over. And um, um, I think just, it's been incredible to see just how sports have evolved for women in Canada, just these past 10 years or so and like you're starting to see more people involved and um, I'm starting to see on sports pages on social media just a bunch of like little girls screaming over 
um, just like watching WNBA players or, or women's soccer. And it's just, it's, it's really beautiful to see because um, me growing up, like I, I never really saw that or I didn't really know anyone who watched women's sports. So um, just seeing it grow is, is so beautiful and I can't wait to see what happens next. <laughs> you know, truthfully, I was a little skeptical when I did see a all-female uh, broadcast of a uh, Raptors Denver Nuggets game where it was uh, Megan McPeak, who uh, is uh, a Canadian who uh, does uh, play-by-play for the uh, Washington Mystics. And uh, she, uh, along with Amy Audebert and uh, 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 Kia Nurse and Kate Burness, I was wondering, this is fantastic. It's a step in the right direction, but is it, is this a one-off? And it looks like that uh, it doesn't appear to be that uh, uh, there has been like a, a, an explosion of uh, female uh, voices uh, being more pronounced in, uh, in sports. And I, I guess, uh, you know, where does, uh, where is the, um, what is the limit? Like, well, not so much the limit, but uh, where do you think uh, women could uh, be in terms of baseball, in terms of football? I mean, these are sports that, uh, yes, baseball does have softball, which there's a huge uh, female participation. But do you think that uh, women's leagues uh, in those sports, traditionally where it's not uh, a huge uh, female uh, participation rate, do you think that that could take place as well, that there may be more development leagues and so on? Yeah, so I I can't really speak too much about baseball because I'm not a huge fan on it, but um, I do think um, that we can start to see that uh, more involvement from the women in these sports, um, especially football. Um, I'm not a huge NFL fan either, but um, I know personally, I don't know if you've heard of Jen Walter. She's, um, she was a former, um, I'm not exactly sure the exact position, but she was on the coaching staff um, for Arizona and she's just done a really great job. Now she, um, she has her own show on Twitch and everything. She's involved with Ryerson. And um, I think um, when, once you have like those trailblazers and um, just those people who have made an impact on um, whatever sport, um, I think it, it just makes it a lot easier for other women to kind of um, get that interest and, and um, feel like they can do it. And um, I, I'd really hope to see uh, more involvement from women in, in every sport, not just basketball. So, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, professional sports uh, for uh, the WNBA and WSL has not uh, taken place yet in this country. Uh, do you think, uh, I, I mean, do you feel that an NBA, uh, WNBA team will be uh, granted in Canada as well as uh, NWSL uh, within uh, five, 10 years? Honestly, I, I really hope so. Um, I don't really know about five years, maybe. I'm hoping for the next 10 years, for sure. I mean, if you go under any post by the WNBA where they're like, um, oh, where should we expand next? It's all Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. So honestly, if, if we were able to get one here, I would be so happy. And I know um, a lot of like a huge number of the WNBA's viewership is, is here in Ontario. So I think there is the market for it. And um, like, I think we should make it happen. Um, I don't know. Well, I think it'd be really great for the, for the country. Well, t- uh, truthfully, uh, and uh, I know that uh, you were uh, probably don't remember 
uh, I don't know if you were born when the Vancouver Grizzlies was uh, in the NBA, but uh, I definitely thought that uh, the city of Vancouver was robbed of their NBA team. I, it was such a poor product, but there was support. And then they moved, of course, to uh, Memphis. And with regards to it, a WNBA team, I'm wondering if the league could value a, uh, just like they did uh, in the early to mid nineties, when they both granted Toronto and Vancouver mm-hmm. franchises, I think the NBA could work in Vancouver. I, I and I do apologize uh, for putting you on the spot. Uh, no, it's okay. But uh, you know, <laughs> what do you think about uh, WNBA in Vancouver? Mm-hmm. There is a team in Seattle. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, I don't think the, the market is there as much as Toronto is, or at least, at least at this point in time, um, maybe for sure in the future, um, it would be interesting to see how many people would be interested in that. Because Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, getting, uh, jumping back to, uh, soccer and, uh, the Canadian yeah. premier league is, uh, uh, it does have some support. Uh, I, I'm really interested to see, uh, uh, NWSL team uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, in the GTA. I think that soccer is just, uh, especially after what uh, the uh, uh, the women's soccer event in uh, Tokyo, mm-hmm. and uh, just the legacy that people like uh, Tancredi and of course Christine Sinclair, and uh, you know you think of the names of uh, Kadisha Buchanan and of course uh, Julia Grosso who scored the uh, the uh, the world famous goal. Uh, you know. Mel, I, I do want to uh, ask you about, uh, obviously, you being a big basketball fan and uh, with regards to uh, the women's game. And, you know, I do uh, recall an episode that I saw of uh, Inside uh, the NBA and Shaquille O'Neal posed a question to Candace Parker. And of course, Candace Parker is a, a legend in her own right uh, as a elite basketball player. Um Shaq was uh, uh, suggesting that the net be lowered for the women's game. And uh, I thought Parker's response was so weak. I, uh, she said that her response was just simply uh, her daughter's going to dunk. That's it. Like uh, her daughter's going to spot dunk. She doesn't, she's not going to need a run up. Boom. That's uh, that was her response. I thought that was poor. Uh, I, I, is um well first of all do you ag- agree with uh candace's sentiment uh do you think that uh, you know it's just a, a matter of time before uh we're going to see more dunking in the uh the wnba and uh i guess as a follow-up i mean do you think that the wnba is losing something uh with regards to uh that lack of presence down low like they do in the nba um, okay, so I think that the WNBA is a young um, league, right? Like they're in their uh, 26th season or so. And um, I do think we just need to give it time. And um, in regards to popularity and everything, um, I do think that there's a possibility that you will see more women dunking. I mean, you can already see Brittany Griner. I love her so much. But <laughs> I think that there that will be something that we will begin to see. But I don't think it's going to be as big as the NBA, of course. And honestly, okay, this is my opinion. I don't think they're missing out on on it um, without 
or with the fact that you don't see dunking as often as in the NBA. And I, I just think that the game is, it's a different style from the men's game and um, it's a different pace. And I, I don't think if you're trying to expand a league and increase viewership, I don't think that you should, you know, lower rims or, or do something just to kind of replicate the men's game. I think you should embrace the differences. And um, like, I think anyone who mentions like that they watch the league for dunking, I think they're just completely lying. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, like I watch basketball for basketball. I, I don't watch it just for dunking or, or all the excitement. Like I, I really like different aspects of the game and I think the WNBA should just embrace what they have and um, just expand that as a women's game and, and not just try to replicate the men's just because it has been successful. I think so, just give it time. So you think that uh, by lowering the net loses uh, mm -hmm. credibility uh, yeah. or something uh, to that effect? Yeah. I think so. Cause then it's, it's kind of saying like, Oh, okay. You have to lower this or you have to make it easier or, you know, like I, I don't think that's going to be helpful at all. Yeah. No, I mean, mm -hmm. that, that is a definitely a, a very uh, valuable uh, point of view. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, uh, obviously it has just taken off uh, so much the WNBA in the past uh, couple of years, especially. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, personally I'm giving it less, I'm giving it five years, five years by the time the Toronto or Vancouver mm -hmm. uh, gets a uh, WNBA so. <laughs> team. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think it'll definitely uh, take off. So uh, Mel, you know, I really, really enjoyed uh, uh, chatting with you and uh, you know, uh, I did want to start uh, by talking about the, uh, the Raptors. Uh, I mean, uh, it was a tough, uh, it's been a tough grind the past couple of uh, games and uh, you could say it's been a tough uh, 20 months uh, for the yeah. team, obviously being uh, in Tampa and uh you know, uh, uh, we did talk a little bit before uh, uh, logging onto this uh, call, and uh, it was a tough loss in uh, Cleveland. I'm still wearing the uh, the, the jersey <laughs> that they had uh, worn uh, last night. Uh, you know, eh, the, well, <laughs> why do you? <laughs> sorry, go ahead because I'm speechless right say? now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What can you say? I mean. COVID the, has just been so tough. <laughs> well, I mean, do you think that uh, the league should pause? I mean, uh, because uh, the uh, Raptors only had four uh, regulars uh, suit up. Uh, there's no real, no real clear indication of where, uh, you know, the, uh, the main starters, uh, when they're going to come back. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, we all know that void of uh, not seeing NBA ball because of the pandemic. Uh, what would you rather have, uh, you know, would you rather have, uh, the league pause so everybody could sort of, uh, get, uh, healthy again, or are you, do you, uh, like want to see, uh, G leaguers, career G leaguers get a chance in the league? Yeah. So, um, like a couple of weeks ago when everything was like at its, at its peak and, and just a bunch of teams were missing a bunch of guys, I was like, okay, you have to shut it down or something. But then Adam Silver stated, he's, there's not really any plans to shut it down. And, and, um, so what I think they should do, cause I, I really enjoy that, um, you get to see these guys from the G league or, um, just get these opportunities and that they wouldn't have gotten, um, without this happening. And, and I think it's really great because um, you get to see a bunch of these guys who are just, just so hungry to play. So I really like that aspect, but 
um, it, it's just so tough for teams. So what I think they should do is just um, postpone games when, when they're missing a bunch of guys. I don't think they should completely shut it down because um, there's a lot of complications with that. But I do think that they should be more open to postponing games um, because to, it's just crazy. Well, to, uh, to uh, the fact that uh, the Raptors had to uh, sign four guys yeah. to 10 day contracts. Just I, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> just to fill that roster. I mean, to mm-hmm. your point, uh, in, yeah. that's um, that sounded like uh, that game should have been postponed. Exactly. Yeah. A game like that, it should be postponed. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully uh, brighter days are ahead for uh, for the Raptors. I mean, uh, they've been uh, quite competitive despite uh, the fact that they've been just so decimated with um, COVID and everything yeah. else going on. My goodness, that's been a really tough grind. So uh, I'd love to uh, close uh, this little chat uh, by uh, having a little segment that I like to call Big Deal, No Big Deal. So essentially, Mel, I'm going to pose a question to you. You're going to tell me if it is a big deal or no big deal. So uh, NBA Europe did a poll saying the original, the OG Road Raptors jersey, whether it's the Road Raptors jersey or the one with the dino on the uh, jersey, is the best jersey in league history. This despite uh, those uh, legendary jerseys of the Celtics and the Lakers and the Bulls and the like. Uh, NBA Europe saying that the Raptors jersey is the best in league history. Is that a big deal or no big deal? Big deal, yeah. How so? I mean, okay, myself personally, I think it's just the most beautifully designed jersey ever. I <laughs> I love it. I mean, I think that's a big deal. It's a, it's a very uh, bold statement to make, but yeah, big deal. <laughs> So uh, I, I, I'll never forget, I was at uh, Woodbine Mall the day when they uh, announced, uh, when they uh, uh, showed the uh, jersey of the uh, Raptors uh, 27 years ago, however many years ago it was. And uh, I was at uh, the mall, bought the uh, original jersey, uh, you know, the blank number one uh, with the uh, Raptors jersey. Uh, and I wore it when uh, they wore uh, when they uh, won game six and the NBA championship. It was uh, really fitting. But, you know, um, I do have a, a couple of examples. And, uh, you know, you did say how uh, beautiful that uh, original jersey was. But you know what? I do have a couple of OGs myself. And uh, I want to show you a couple of jerseys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I have here, this is uh, an original mm-hmm. Chauncey Billups jersey. Mm-hmm. Found that as well. I did find uh, the second jersey, which is of Steph's old Mandel. So these are a couple of jerseys that I have. Big fan of uh, jerseys. If you had to choose between the original Chauncey Billups or the second Del Curry, which one are you going to go with? I think I got to say the Chauncey Billups one. <laughs> yeah, really, eh? Yeah, I really love the Raptor design. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I was wondering, uh, uh, because obviously uh, Drake wore uh, the Curry jersey to mm-hmm. mock Steph uh, during game one of the final. <laughs> Actually, I did uh, like uh, Del Curry a lot uh, when he was uh, in Toronto. I thought he was really great uh, uh, as a Raptor, but, uh, you know, and uh, actually just a second here. Uh, I do have to show that, uh, my uh one of many other jerseys that i do have 
you have to have Vince. I'm still yeah. mad at him, but uh, you know, <laughs> I'm uh, I hold grudges, but uh, Vince just uh, okay, me too. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So um, uh, moving on, I mean, the Chicago Bulls are having one phenomenal season. Uh, you know, I, I don't know who had uh, thought that uh, they would uh, contend for tops in the East, but they're a game and a half behind uh, Brooklyn. Uh, your boy, DeMar, he is having an incredible uh, breakthrough season, uh, his first season as a Bull. People are uh, whispering MVP. I mean, uh, at this point of the season, the Bulls, uh, being second in the East, is that a big deal or no big deal? Yes, big deal. Honestly, I, I just think I'm so amazed at how they were able to go out this offseason and um, acquire DeMar, uh, Caruso, and Lonzo and just create this roster. And it's just been, they've been gelling amazing to start the season. And I think I think they have a good chance. Um, DeMar definitely being a dark horse for MVP. I know controversial, but he just, he has such a, a huge impact on this team. And um, he's just, he has started the season with, with this hunger and you can tell he just wants to win and I'm excited to see where they go. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, but to your point, uh, you have to think that uh, Katie or mm-hmm. Steph are going to be, uh, yeah. you know, the runaways there, but mm-hmm. in terms of a runaway for most improved player, you have to think it's, you might as well just give it to DeMar at this point. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he was doing some of these things in San Antonio, but it was just kind of, you know, he was he wasn't didn't really have that spotlight on him just because of Spurs and and the media there and the coverage, the lack of media coverage there. But um, yeah, it was a really um, good couple of years there in San Antonio, and I'm glad he's doing what he's doing now in Chicago. So finally, uh, Demar's BFF Kyle Lowry is having a great uh, season. Uh, so far, it is a little uh, emotional, heartbreaking to see uh, Kyle Lowry in a, um, a Miami Heat jersey. But he has announced that uh, he will retire as a Toronto Raptor, uh, signing a one-day contract. Uh, Kyle Lowry signing a one-day contract, ending his what should be a Hall of Fame career as a Toronto Raptor. Big deal or no big deal? Big deal. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, I think it's just necessary. Like, uh, that's going to be an amazing day and well deserved. Like, amazing career. A six time All Star, who knows? Mate, would he uh, qualify? Uh, would he have that uh, kind of momentum for uh, uh, an All Star appearance as a member of the Miami Heat? Uh, with all of the uh, point guards who have done some incredible things, uh, like Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, uh, you know, there's one guy who does have a ring between uh, those two and uh, Kyle Lowry. And that, of course, is number seven. So, uh, Mel, you know, this has uh, been such a great chat. I, I'm really, really grateful for uh, for this and uh, to uh, remind uh, and to uh, try and wipe the egg off of my face. So basically, Mel and I, <laughs> uh, we were uh, supposed to do this uh, last week and then I got a mess and uh, we had uh, agreed to. Uh, get together. I think it was on the 18th and yeah. <laughs> uh, I get a message from Mel asking, uh, are you ready? And I was just about to uh, start vacuuming my living room because I had completely <laughs> f- uh, forgot to put that in my calendar. Uh, you know, uh, you 
were completely accepting of that. Uh, you were uh, so uh, uh, geared to to join me today, and you know, honestly, uh, really do wish you the very best. It, uh, the passion that you do have for sports, uh, you know, that's what fans like me need. Uh, people who just really love uh, the game and love to uh, share their point of view. So. Uh, Melissa Gill, really, really thankful. Before we sign off, uh, where can people find uh, you and your great content? Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for the, for the kind words and no problem about rescheduling. It was a really nice conversation and thanks for having me on. And um, you can find me on Twitter at Mel Gill Sports. You can find my podcast, Mel Gill Sports Podcast. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> great thank you so much all the best to you uh, and happy new year uh, to you and your yeah. family merry christmas happy new year <laughs> happy holidays <laughs> she is uh, melissa gill host of the mel gill sports podcast i'm randy Kure. this is what's up the sports podcast hope you are doing well and safe and if we don't chat uh, before have a happy new year we will talk to you next time <laughs>